Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling Podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, Explorers. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 298 of the podcast. It's the 6th of October, 2021, as I record this intro. And this week, I have a really fun conversation with Megan Valness, an unschooling mom of six, about her unschooling journey. Megan has been on the podcast once before, back in 2018, and it was so fun to catch up and see how her life has unfolded since then. She shares some of the challenges of having a large family, as well as many of the mindset shifts and creative solutions that have helped her meet so many varied needs. We talk a lot about the inner work of de-schooling and how it is an ongoing part of her life, even after all these years of unschooling. Megan reflects on how she has seen trust weave through her journey, trust in her children, their trust in her, as well as her trust in the lifestyle itself. She also shares an example of the healing and relationship repairs that are possible when she focuses on connection instead of control. It was a beautiful conversation with so many valuable insights. And before we dive in, I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support helps pay for the hosting and transcription, as well as my time spent creating new episodes each week. It's instrumental in keeping the podcast archive freely available to anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And now, here's my conversation with Megan. Welcome! I'm Pamela Rickia from livingjoyfully.ca and today I'm here with Megan Valmas. Hi, Megan! Hi, Pam! <laughs> I am so, so happy to have you back on the podcast to learn more about how your unschooling journey has continued to unfold. So, yeah, to get us started, can you share with us a bit about you and your family and what everybody's interested in right now? Yes. So I'm Megan, and my husband and I have been married for 17 years now. We own a real estate agency here in Los Angeles, and um, I've been writing. So I actually have published writing now, even if it's on my own website. So I I can say I'm a writer. I'm reading as much as I can. I love watching cooking competitions. I do yoga. Um, we have a little farm on our property. We have three acres. We're lucky to live in like the last remaining wilderness of Los Angeles. So we have chickens and little guinea pigs and lots of animals. Love being with the kids. Um, as a family, we really enjoy being outside together and having adventures together and just being together. We're together a lot, you know, and we enjoy it. Um, our oldest son is 17 now, which is wild. Wow. <laughs> <I know. laughs> like what happened? So he's 17 and he's six foot one. So he's just like a man, like this big person now. Um He's super into music at the moment. He's learning a program called Logix, which is uh, like a computer program for making music, mm-hmm. for producing. So that's really cool. He's working on getting his driver's license, which will be amazing once that happens. And he works for our company, our family company. And then he recently got a job as a busboy in a restaurant for like a little summer gig, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Our 15-year-old daughter, Lila, so we now have two teenagers, which is really fun, really fun. Yeah. I really like it. I really <laughs> like it. <laughs> They're so fun to be with. Um, she's into Kung Fu at the moment. She just started Kung Fu, Woo. and she's loving it. Um, her obsession, passion is K-pop, which is Korean pop music. Uh-huh. For people that don't know, and this has been a whole learning journey for everyone. So it has led her to start learning Korean, 
to start learning. I mean, we've learned so much about Korean culture because of it. And we are lucky to live in such a big city because we have a Koreatown. So we can go to Koreatown and get all these foods that she's learning about and go to Korean markets and go buy her albums because she's just like obsessed with K-pop. So now we all know about K-pop, which is pretty cool. Um, We're all learning a lot. And let's see, Zach, I wrote this down so I wouldn't forget anyone. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of them. Zach is 12. He's still super into dinosaurs. This has been a long lasting interest. Like he didn't grow out of it. Like a lot of kids, you know, once they're six or whatever, he still wants to be a paleontologist. So he's actually, actually approached me last night about going to school Mm -hmm. because he is concerned about like, he really wants to be a paleontologist and wants to get into college. So we were just talking about that last night, which is very interesting. Um, and he's just, he loves gaming online. Like he's with his friends, you know, gaming it up a lot. All the kids love gaming, but he's super into it right now. That's a, a, a big portion of his day is spent gaming online with his friends and watching, you know, he likes to watch his science videos. He's really into science and math. He's just that kid. Like he, he loves exploring. He's wild. He's always been a little wild man. He's still wild. We take him on hikes. He's like jumping off the highest cliff. So he's super fun. <laughs> and Sarah is 10. She also loves K-pop. She and her big sister share a room. So they like, you know, decorate it all with their K-pop posters. And it's really cute. She's really cute. And she loves cooking. And Sarah's just probably one of the sweetest, kindest people I've ever known. And she's just a gentle soul. She loves to cook. And I, I can't even remember the last time that she's asked me to make her anything. Like I'll, I'll make dinner and she eats dinner, but she makes herself everything like mm-hmm. her snacks and these intricate things like with bell peppers and cream cheese and like seasonings. And she gets a lot of ideas from TikTok because she'll watch, you know, a lot of food channels. Like, I don't know what you call it, pages yeah. on TikTok. And she gets all these ideas, which is really cool to see. Um, and she's just sweet. And she loves being out in nature, too. We all do. I mean, maybe not the teenagers as much, but the four younger kids, you know, they really love it. Um, and then there's Clementine. She's six. She's she is a one of a kind. She is a total extrovert. She is hilarious. She's like one of the funniest people I know. She's she's got a sense for comedy. Wow. Like She knows how to make people laugh. Yeah. And she loves drama. She's she's the one who's doing the camp this morning. So my husband is picking her up from her little drama camp. She does a Shakespeare camp. And yeah. So she's like this little performer and she's just really funny. She's constant. Like she's just my mom calls her a card. You know, she's (laughs) yeah. 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 That old (laughs) saying. And the three girls together, they all love K-pop and they all like one of the big things that they're into right now is they watch. So the K-pop like girl bands dance a lot and they do these intricate dances to their songs and they put their dance practices online on YouTube. So the kids watch them and learn the dances and then like do the dances for us. So that's pretty cool. Yes. So that's really fun. Um, Yeah. Clementine just has no fear. Like in California, we call it like in surf culture, we call her a charger. Like she's a charger because she just charges everything like no fear just wants to do everything i want to do this camp i want to do that camp i want to go here let's go to the lagoon let's i want to surf i want to she loves riding her bike and she'll just ride it for miles she's she's amazing and (laughs) she inspires me and then the youngest is ocean and he's two and he's a typical (laughs) two-year-old busy he doesn't stop he's super busy and he wants to be like you know one of the big kids yeah so he's just trying to keep up. <laughs> and well, that's everybody. A lot going on to keep up with. Isn't there? yes, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much, Megan. It's so fun just to hear little snippets of everybody. Right. And the different things they're interested in and seeing how, you know, the interests of somebody can be interesting to their siblings too. Right. And sometimes they'll do things together. And then they have their own things. It's really interesting to hear how that goes. <laughs> so I 
I wanted to, uh, calling back to our earlier conversation, which was, oh my gosh, I can't believe it was March of 2018. Really? Yeah, so I didn't even I have looked a it up. I had five kids. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I remember seeing, a, oh, here comes here comes the, the new one. That Number was very six. fun. Number yes. six. So we spoke then about how you found unschooling and we focused on de-schooling. So I'll leave a link in the show notes to that episode for people if they want to go back and listen to that. But I thought I just wanted to ask, looking back now, how important was that more focused de-schooling phase as part of your journey? When you look back, what do you think? To me, it was it's paramount. And to me, honestly, when I think about it, it never ends. Like I re- I I, re- I remember reading something that Pam um no, Sarushian wrote. Yep. Schooling never ends if you were went to school. Like she kind of had this thought that maybe it just never ends because it's so ingrained for so long. <clears throat> and I think even to expound upon that is it keeps going because we're surrounded by mainstream society. I don't have a lot of unschooling friends near to me. You know, I have some people online and you know, I'm, I'm still in some groups, um, like email groups that are, or I get little messages in my inbox or I listen to your podcast. But for the most part, even just watching TV, right? Even just watching the Olympics yeah. and seeing like, okay, these kids were obviously very structured. Like they, they went for something. And I'm sure a lot of it, that was their interest. Like you can't force someone to that level. I don't think like they have to love it. Right. But there's still something behind even driving that right? To get to that level. And so I think de-schooling kind of never ends for parents because first of all, we went through, for those of us that went through school, we went through it and then we're surrounded by it all the time. Just subconscious ideas of what we should be doing, what life looks like. You know, my kids go to camp, like there might be a lot of homeschoolers, but then they're, oh, we're doing this curriculum. Oh, we're doing that, you know, and there's not always a lot of people to talk about it with. And it is so easy to get influenced and to think, oh my God, like, should I be doing a curriculum? Mm-hmm. Should I be sitting down more? Like, should we be focusing? And then it's kind of, whoa, remember who I am. <laughs> like, what are we doing here? We have to remember what we're doing here. So for me, it's a little bit constant. Yes. I'm still, I mean, I feel like for the most part, I've gotten out of those big mainstream ideas and I now really embrace the principles of unschooling, which was also hard in the beginning because it's just kind of hard to comprehend principles since we're never really taught that we're taught rules. Yeah. Like it's easy to follow rules. You know, just tell me what to do, like make it easy for me. And then principles are like a little more ambiguous and what does it even mean? And then, so learning that has been huge for me. And now I get it. I get the principle part. Nice. I know what that really means now. Like I knew what the words meant before, but I didn't, really know what it meant. Yeah, that is such a big, that was a big step for me too. The, the understanding it intellectually, right? It's like, yeah, okay, okay. I can see what you mean. Yeah, that makes sense. But that transition into what it looks like every day to what it means, uh, like what I do every day, how right. I wake up and approach each moment. Like that is stuff I have to actively figure out. I have to take that theory and actually apply it and see what it looks like in our lives. And that is the beauty and the challenge of unschooling in that it looks different in every Yes. It looks right with six kids. It looks different to somebody with different personalities, right? Totally. Yes. And it's not like a theory that you can go see, oh, this is how it's applied and this is how it plays out because of that exact reason. It's going to play out differently for every family based on their dynamics. So it really has to be your own journey. It really does. It really does. And like you said, we are surrounded with uh, a culture and society that is um, just has different kind of goals, right? Yes, right. Different principles. Yes. Know, productivity, that, you know, shining external goal, you know, not that there's anything wrong, but again, you revisit it personally. Like, what are my, as an individual, anyways, what I was trying to get to was 
like you were talking about, sometimes we can get knocked off. And I find it so useful in those moments, as you were saying, to revisit our why, right? To remember why we chose this. And to remember those principles, it's like, oh, yeah, it's like touching base with ourselves, because sometimes we can just get pulled out. And, and it's so easy just to fall back into those routines, those things we, um, well, as parents, we probably grew up with them. Um, but even they're just around us, right? It's so easy oh, yes. to get pulled into that. Yes. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. <laughs> Okay. That's constant. <laughs> I would love to hear your experience with navigating those different needs and personalities that come with six kids. I'm just curious. I love to ask people how their unspilling days flow. And because we're not, this is the thing I think when people come to unschooling, you know, it's easy to understand the principle that we're not trying to direct or control other people. Yeah. It's what do you replace that with? Right. Right. It's not just standing back and doing nothing. And then just like, right. You just do whatever. The fine line of neglect. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to neglect them. Yeah. Guides for sure. So yes. Um, So our days our our life. It's really busy. I mean, it's busy and it's like I'm back to working a little bit again, you know, so I have help sometimes like a few days a week for the younger kids that are awake earlier, like mainly my two and six year old, because the other four, depending on what we're doing, like we were in Yosemite all last week. So everybody was up early and it was the family and, you know, we were doing Yosemite things, hiking and rafting and rivers and all those things. But now we're back at home and the first couple of days they were waking up early still. And I was like, this is cool. Like we're all awake early. You know, this is nice. And then slowly they're going back to sleeping in late. So the two little ones in the morning when I try to get some work done or whatever, I have someone who actually has been with our family for 10 years and is incredible. And it's like a part of our family. So she, she gets what we're doing and they love her. And so they play with her on the days that she's not here. We just wake up. We kind of hang around. We go out to the chickens. We feed the dogs. The little ones help me with the chores. You know, we just kind of do our, our little work around the property. They, (laughs) my two-year-old loves picking up dog poop. (laughs) (laughs) If he sees it, he forces me to like clean it immediately. So we, We do that and we just kind of enjoy it. We're slow. You know, we take it like slow and easy on our days together and on the weekends in the morning. And sometimes my six-year-old is, she loves TikTok. So sometimes she's doing that thing or we're just hanging out doing whatever. And then the the day just kind of builds up a little slower because the older kids wake up later. Mm -hmm. And then once they wake up, then things kind of start get, get, you know, start buzzing. Right. And, and it just, I mean, Every day looks different. Sometimes we're out running around. Having the two-year-old has been a bit of a challenge because he's so active that it's really hard to take. It was really hard to like take him on any kinds of errands. You know, he would take him to the grocery store and within, hello, here's a (laughs) six-year-old. And within um, a couple minutes, can you go up? I love you. I didn't have any food. There's your snacks upstairs. Sorry. (laughs) They didn't allow you to take snacks. Well, okay. I'll talk to you about it after, but she told me no. Sorry. No, no problem. (laughs) (laughs) That's Clementine. So, um, where was I? Oh, so that has been kind of challenging because there's a big age difference. I mean, it's not a big age difference, but it is a lot in maturity years, right? Like, so Clementine is our fifth child. She's six. And then Ocean is two. And then all the kids are, you know, 10, 12, 15, 17. So it has been challenging to just work out the two-year-olds at this (laughs) point. Every day is getting a little easier, but still like taking him into a store, say we want to go shopping. We have to coordinate like, okay, who's going to stay home with Ocean? Who's going to go? Because he doesn't, he just doesn't, he's not going to sit in a stroller. 
Yeah. He doesn't sit in a shoppy. He's not that kid. Like I have had that kid, the great kid who like sits and will look at a book and be totally content. That's not ocean. He wants to go, go, go. So we're kind of tailoring more around what he wants, but it kind of does take a village at this point right now. You know, I think in two years, it's going to look a lot different. He'll be four. It'll be more like we can just get up and go. But at the moment, we're kind of here a lot unless we're doing it's a lot of outdoor things. We do the beach. He can run around on the beach. You know, we do parks. He can run around at a park. We do hikes. He can run around on a hike. And with the older kids, I really have to like plan that time. So we have so we have to be scheduled somewhat because I need help with ocean. If like, say my daughter and I want to go shopping or they have a Kung Fu class or, you know, they're going to start taking music classes. So if they want to do like those kind of things, it's just a little trickier right now, but it's a passing phase. It's not forever. (laughs) Well, I love, I love the piece though, that you're just completely understanding ocean's personality and where he is at that moment and just working with that. And yeah, so it gives more pieces to the puzzle. But I feel like you're just flowing with that. Yes. And not trying to put expectations around it. No. <laughs> right. <laughs> I just expect him to be a toddler, which yeah. is what he is. And he's a busy guy. He's just that busy toddler. I've had enough. My, my middle son was just like him. I mean, we couldn't really do anything until he was over three. Mm-hmm. Because he was just wild. Like you take him to a restaurant, jumping, you know, like wanting to climb up to the ceiling fan and swing from it. And that's not enjoyable for anybody. Yeah. You know, it's stressful for the parents. It's not fun for the kids. So we do things that we, we go to restaurants where kids can get run around at. You know, we do things that are easy for everyone or, you know, we have him watch the phone. But even that he's it's only, you know, 10 minutes, but we're lucky. We have some restaurants around here that have like little outdoor spaces and the kids can run. And I think it's good for the kid, for the older kids to see like how to flow, you know, how to just go with what they need. And that, that this is a point in his life and it's a good perspective. Like things don't last forever. Yeah. The the don't last forever piece and the piece that Mm. You know, they're part of the family and we just totally everybody has value no matter yes. age, right? Yes, yes. And and the whole piece of not having like I mentioned expectations, but just on their ages, like why put them in places where, like you said, it's not going to be enjoyable for them because they're gonna keep being stopped from what they want to do. It's not enjoyable right. for us to have to keep stepping in and stopping them. It's not enjoyable for the other people in the environment to see all this going on. Like you're just setting everybody up to fail when. Yes, exactly. So finding places that work for everybody, like that's, that's what. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That's what we try to do. Even with our TV situation, it's interesting because so we have these two rooms that are next to each other Mm -hmm. and we decided to put TVs in both rooms Cause there's a little bit of a separation, but uh-huh. we do it so that we can like be watching our show. Right. Say we want to yeah. watch the Olympics. My kids are, my daughter, you know, she was an equestrian. And so she loves watching the equestrian and she's recording it. She wants to watch it or we can watch movies that we want to watch. And then right in the next room where we can still see everybody. Hi, wave. There's another TV. The kids can watch, you know, if it's ocean and Clementine want to go in there and watch their little shows, they can do it. And we're still all together. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Right. Kind of like figuring things out. That was one of the things I loved was or continue to love because we still do it. Like just changing up the house, the rooms, how we're using the rooms, like um, moving beyond kind of the more conventional uses for. Right. Like this, this is our place. We can use the rooms. However, we're exactly how are you going to use them? Yeah. Like our dining room table is an art table. That's yeah. where we do art. We never eat dinner there. We do art there, you know, we're just not in, and there's not even like furniture in the little room connected to it. It's just a big open play space. And it yeah. can be. I know it's so fun. It's like, Oh, what could we do with this? What could we do? <laughs> Which I think is a like kind of a, a helpful thing, kind of like an offshoot or a, not a consequence. Cause that's negative, but like a, What's the word? I have such mom brain, but um, I really do. It's bad. Um, uh, uh, it, 
consequence is not the right word. The positive version of consequence of unschooling is having a more open mind like that, where you can see like, okay, this is supposed to be a dining room and there's a table here, but it doesn't like, we can move beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. We this can make this work outcome. for us. And now I'm trying to think of. A yes. Good yes. Out, outcome is better or something. We'll figure it out. We will. It'll we come will. to me at the end. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, absolutely. Because I find what I, another thing I love about unschooling is how it kind of grows. Like it, it rolls and picks up. Oh speed. yeah. At first you question. So, I mean, and it depends on where you're coming from, but like for me, certainly first I question school. You know, it's like, oh, does school really need to be part of it? And then, you know, once you start questioning one thing, it's like you're just more open to questioning more ideas that are in your life. And it doesn't become such a big a thing. It's like, oh, you know, oh, I can question this. Oh, does this really work for us? How do we feel about that? What might we do instead? How would that feel? You know, just the questions are just always bubbling up, aren't they? Yes, I love it. I love it. It is so like you said, I, what I said, I was listening to your podcast about joy, opening curious. That's, that's my favorite. Really, I mean, that's it. That's kind of it in a nutshell. Yep. Yep. That's beautiful. Now I was thinking back, you, we connected uh, before the call and you mentioned something you wanted to chat about. And I remember reading in a book about attachment and parenting. Um, and the author mentioned that even sensitive caregivers get it right only about 50% of the time. And what stands out for securely attached um, parent-child relationships is that the parent actively acknowledges and repairs the disconnecting moments. Now, I know I felt it was validating for me that because you go in with an expectation that you're going to get it right all the time. Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Let's laugh right now. It's part of what we grow up with, right? Because we learn like through school and just through society in general, that getting things wrong um, is bad. Yeah. Right. And you've got to hide that. Don't let people know. Right. that you know 50% of the time it happens it's yes. it's it's normal <laughs> yeah because we're goes. just real people doing things anyway so i wanted to chat with you about what that piece that repairing relationships has looked like for you that part has been one of the most amazing benefit i think benefits the word there that you i was go. looking for <laughs> all back <laughs> back to that Scratch consequence benefit. Okay. Um, But this has been one of the most amazing benefits of unschooling has because my relationship with my oldest son, which I've talked about a lot in unschooling circles, because it was just so profound for me, was so damaged. I mean, like messed up. If we had continued on the path we were on, we probably, he'd probably be like, I don't know, not here. Mm -hmm. Who knows? But I don't think he could have like even but able to stay like in the same house with me until he was 17, you know, because we're bickering. So that was a long time ago. I mean, he was eight. This is almost 10 years ago now that started making the changes. And now our relationship is so close. I mean, we've really mended there. There are moments of course, where I still get like pangs of guilt, especially because I've had younger children. Yeah. And the way that I am with them, I'll just be like, Oh, I wish I could have done this with Julian. Like, why didn't I know? But I didn't. And that's okay. And we, it's okay now. And we have repaired so much and we're so close. And I feel like he even said he feels like he can talk to me about anything. We love each other. He's like, my mom will say, Oh, when teenagers, you know, they get a certain age and they pull away from you, they don't want to be seen with you out in public or whatever. And he's like, We don't have any of that. He'll hold my hand in public. Mm-hmm. He gets the doors for me. Like he wants to take care of me. He helps me. He's amazing. I, he sees me holding something heavy. He comes in and grabs it from me. He's just this amazing young man. And we're very close. We have deep talks. You know, he goes through things. It's not all rainbows and unicorns, right? Even when you're unschooling, like he oh, has yeah. hard times. It's a 17 year old. It's not easy all the time. And he can come to me and we have repaired our relationship like that. I feel confident of. Yeah. So how, how did that look at the, 
Well, it looked like me really just backing off and really taking the unschooling principles seriously in the beginning. Like it looked like me doing the work on myself because it was all my hangups, right? He was a kid. Now, was he the easiest? No, he challenged me in a lot of ways. I guess that's why he came like that, that, you know, that it was my growth. Like, really, I feel like that was a part of his purpose was to, to, because he challenges everyone around him. Like he just kind of has that personality where he's not going to back down, but he's so like kind and loving. And now that we've just allowed him to be who he is, he's this easygoing, different, like he doesn't have to challenge in the same way he used to when he was just like kind of fighting to be who he was. Now he, he is who he is and he's allowed to be that. And so it's just a much more kind of different version of that. Um, he's just very thoughtful and it just looked like me doing a lot of work on myself mm-hmm. and my husband. I mean, that's what it really came down to was us changing to see he's the child. We're the adults. Like we got to get our stuff together and just allow him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think that's one of the big steps is like you were saying before, it's like being open to asking ourselves questions, right? Because, you know, so often we can think we're the adult, we know better, you know, we need to control them so that they learn. Right. Right. Um, you know, so it's fascinating when you can start just asking yourself questions about it, you know, what is the, the value, the impact of this control? What am I really trying to accomplish here? You know, the value of the relationship. I think of it as kind of a shift from control to connection, really. Yes. Yes. Moves from trying to control them. To just connecting with them and learning, right? Right? They're fascinating people when you. They are, <laughs> absolutely, and I feel like it was a blessing in a way because he didn't have the type. Like there are some kids where you can't, you know, you can't eventually break them, right? Which is a horrible mm-hmm. thing to say, but there, there are like, and there are parents who will do that. The very authoritative, like, and the kid will finally break. So you think until right they get out and maybe they have a chance, or maybe it's forever. Who knows? Julian didn't have that personality. Like it just wasn't going to happen with him. And then once I realized what I was doing, I, I was so dismayed. Right. And it hurt me. Like, I can't do this. I don't want to break anything, Mm -hmm. especially the relationship with my son. I want to build that up. I want to make it beautiful. I want us to be friends forever. And so it was kind of good that he just kind of didn't. And he was little, you know, he was seven or eight, but he would just be like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing it. And I realized I, what am I going to do at at one point? Like, I'm not going to start hitting him or abusing him into doing what I want him to do. So something here has to change and it's going to be me. Yeah. And what is really interesting, I don't know, I, this was my experience, so I'm very curious to hear if it was yours too, because my eldest, similar, similar, <laughs> very solid in who he was, right? And what he was and wasn't yes. interested in doing. <laughs> yes. So, but what was so fascinating to me was as I opened up and released kind of that need for control and started trying to connect more. And I learned more about him and who he was as an individual and as a person and why these were the things that he was standing up to or not wanting to do, et cetera. All those pieces started to make so much sense, right? About who yes. they are as a person. It's like, oh, now I get why that was just not something they were going to do, right? So it wasn't right. like they were just you know, willy-nilly. Trying to be obstinate. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Right. You get being obstinate for obstinate's sake. Yeah. Yeah. No, they really had reasons. And I think what I have found is once we backed off and just really allowed him and just, you know, you do, okay. Like we're here to support you and guide you and help you and connect with you. Then now like he's much more open-minded, right? 
Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Because, because they feel respected. Exactly. And trusted. And they trust us that when they say something, we're going to put it in the mix of everything, right? We're not going to just discount it or expect them to keep giving in. But I mean, I know it seems so paradoxical, but the more you can give and accommodate, if that, that's not the greatest yeah. word, but uh, you know, really show that you care and will help. They are, they don't need to grab for that. That's right. Right. So they can give that to other people too. They really exactly. pay attention to, is this, yes. how important is this to me? And if I say it's really important, I know that they will respect that. But you know what? I'm going to check in with myself first before I now put that yes. out there because I don't have to push for it anymore, right? Right. It's like the desperation is gone almost, right? To be heard. Yeah. And to be acknowledged. And they feel it's that trust component is so huge. And that has been the biggest thing that we've repaired was trust. Yeah. And now he, he I mean, he's just so interesting. Like I just learned so much from him. Even my mom said she went on the camping trip in Yosemite with us. And because we grew up and, you know, my mom is very stubborn in her ways and my dad and like, and then so me and all my siblings, right? Like we were like, no. And we would just argue, ah, everybody like fighting so hard, digging into their own beliefs. Mm-hmm. No one ever really kind of being like, okay, let me hear your side of that. We would just dig our heels and harder into what we were saying. And so when we went to Yosemite, my mom said to me, I just love how Julian like, because he stayed in the tent with her. And so they would talk, you know, at night. And, and she said, I just love the way that, you know, he has an idea and he has an opinion and we talk about it. And then if you present him like another opinion, he'll really take time to think about it and listen and maybe change his mind. Because in my family, that was like unheard of. Mm-hmm. I mean, you didn't change your mind only because it like showed some sort of weakness, weakness yeah. right? <laughs> Yeah. And so we, it's like, we don't have that. And I thought, oh my God, that's amazing. You know, that's so good to hear. That is so because interesting. That stood out. He feels that, and that's another paradox, right? Like he feels so strong that he's not afraid of looking weak yes. or seeming weak because he knows who he is. Yeah. Well, and that's all because he's not feeling judged by his right. 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 They are, they are, they are his. And when you get, that's the other piece, like you were talking about you and your siblings all like digging in because when, when we feel like we're being judged, no matter what our opinion is, we, if somebody doesn't agree with us and we're feeling judged, we just feel so defensive and it's so hard to hear other people. And it's so hard to reconsider or to yes. something new and try to put it into the web of your understanding of whatever it is in the first place and try to grow so hard when you're feeling defensive because yes, you're just waiting for your moment to jump in there and say, exactly. <laughs> right. And that was my big thing. I mean, that was something I really had to overcome was being defensive mm-hmm. and he and I would work on it with each other. And he'd be like, you're being defensive right now. I'd be like, <laughs> okay, I am. Okay. I know I have been told uh, like that. And that's fascinating. It's fun to have that relationship too, because they can point out things to us that yes. in the moment we oh don't realize. Yes. Right? <laughs> Mom, you're being passive aggressive right now. I am yeah. <laughs> being defensive. Okay. I'm like, what? I would never. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, what is so interesting again, is that, they are right. They are so often right. They're right. We can take the moment to think, even if our, and, and that's what's really interesting because this is, it ends up, it is all about relationships, right? Because we can, even if in that moment, in the end, we decide that we don't feel like we were, you know, right. feeling defensive or passive aggressive or whatever, we can understand how they saw it that way. Yes. Nobody's wrong. Right. Right. Like, felt that way to them. It felt that way to them. That's exactly. That. So that also helps us learn a little bit more about being in conversation with them. Yes. Right? How things feel to them, because that is real, too, isn't it? Yes, totally. And it's 
I was going to say something. I lost it, but anyways, I'll come back at some point. But I think that that has been one just, you know, kind of stings sometimes, right? And so that's part of the learning process when you're repairing relationships is kind of being able to to take the sting and to reflect on it. It's like, what part of me is this hurting and why? And what's the deeper reason? Yeah. And that for me, that that ties back to what you mentioned before, that open and curious piece. Yes. Right. And not being Being judgmental, but to be curious. Yes, just exactly. Not being judgmental and allowing them to say those things, even if they hurt a little, reflecting on it and kind of, you know, using it for next time and talking about it with them too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the great thing is because you can, when you have that trust there and you have that connection there, you can have those conversations. It's like, oh, really? That didn't feel like it to me. How did it, you know, you can say yes. you or, oh, maybe I was thinking about this. Like you can, that is the interesting thing too, is just processing with them. Right. And it's creating, I mean, there, but processing in front of them. Right. Right. And to me, it's like created such an emotional intelligence that I never had. I mean, I've learned this stuff as an adult and they have it. Yeah. And what teenagers, (laughs) I know take it with them out into the world too. Oh yeah. Right. I mean, this will reflect across their whole lives. Yeah. No, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. So I'd be curious, what has surprised you most about how unschooling has unfolded so far for you guys? Hmm. I know I've been thinking about this one. Well, I mean, the relationship with my kids has really surprised me mm-hmm. because I just, I mean, I love my parents so much. Um, but these years during, like for my older kids of the teenage years were not so lovely they were very difficult <laughs> and we repaired them. Right. When I became a mother and we, and I became an adult and whatever, at some point you're like, I can carry this forever or I can let it go and we can move on and we can love each other because I know that we were really all doing the best that we could do. Right. And this yeah. kind of whole, even idea of emotional intelligence is something a little bit newer for a lot of people, for me anyway, and, and for my family. And so I guess the relationship I have with them surprises me. Like we, we like each other. It's beyond like, we love you because you know, you're my parent, you're my child and all of that. It's like, we genuinely like each other. Mm -hmm. We like hanging out. My kids want to do stuff with us. I remember my older siblings, as they would get older, they would not come on trips with us anymore. You know, once they were like 14 or 15, they'd stay home. They wouldn't do the family vacations anymore. They, they would prefer to be with their friends or whoever. Um, my kids, like, we're still all doing it together. I feel like we're always going to, like, they'll get significant others. Hopefully, they'll have some kids because I do really want grandkids. And <laughs> <laughs> just putting that out there. And, you know, maybe it'll be all of us, right? Like, I can see that, that the, the family vacations just kind of expand and then we just have a lot of people and it would be amazing. And so I, I see that as, like, a real possibility mm-hmm. because of how close we are and we're friends. We have fun. Even the little ones, like we laugh, we just all have fun. I mean, they're so smart. Like that part, sometimes it still surprises me how much they learn. Cause I don't even always know, you know, like how much they're learning or they're getting into certain things <clears throat> until, you know, they show me, I mean, my daughter's showing me how she's writing characters in Korean and this all stemmed from loving K-pop you know, which some people could be very dismissive, like, oh, K-pop, whatever, yeah. it's just pop music, boy bands and, you know, manufactured, whatever, put together. But here it is like something so deep and enriching and has enriched her life so much. And then I see her writing in Korean characters, which is amazing, right? And they really want to travel there. Just these open-minded, like, these kids don't have to learn, right, to be open-minded and curious. Yes. Yes. They well, just are. They just are, which is why when in my, like, intense 
de-schooling phase because we're I'm gonna just call it that the intense de-schooling phase. <laughs> right, the intense part. It's always there in the background. It kind of yes. flows up and down and up and down. But anyway, what I was trying to get to was I found it so helpful to watch them in action. Yes. Just to see it's like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't need to feel so bad when I make a mistake. I don't need to go and hide, you know, right. for an hour till everybody forgets what happened. <laughs> just the little things, just seeing them like, oh, you know, that went wrong. And they try something different. It's like, yes, making mistakes isn't this horrible thing. Like, I just learned so many things from watching them. Yes. Watching their open and curious approach to things and trying yes. things out and being so open about the world in general and judgment I feel <clears throat> is so much of it is learned oh yes oh my god there's so much less judgmental yes incredible oh my god like even when I felt I was not judgmental of people and I but I found myself frustrated and I'm like oh okay you know this and I would like share the story with them and they'd be like, oh, but you know, what about this and this? And yes. That? Or, or if I saw like we went to the park or, you know, they went to an activity and I saw something and I felt bad for them. And then I talked to them about it later and they're like, yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah. I think they were hungry or I know they had a bad day the other day or, you know, they had so many um positive, you know, good thoughts about it that did not right. need to go to judgment. It was just right. what like they're more compassionate. And yeah, so much compassion. Yes. And I learned, I learned so much just from, and I still learn so much just from watching them. Right. I know. And you realize like the mistakes are so necessary. I mean, that's such a huge part of the learning process. And um, I think like we're born that way, right? We're born open and curious. And at mm-hmm. some point it gets, kind of shut off like no and you need to be this way and mistakes are not okay and you've got to be right and this whole other paradigm is set up and then when you see them I mean I've had some kids that were in school two of the kids and then the other ones not and even the difference of them like Mm -hmm. I do see even differences between them because at some you know on some level like I think even my 17 year old still kind of de-schools a little bit a lot of his friends go to high school you know, it affects him too. Mm-hmm. And he was in school until I think beginning of fourth grade. I think he came out like in the beginning of fourth grade. And so that's, a you know, those are formative years <clears throat> where yeah. a lot of hardwiring is going on. Right. And so even he's had his own process, but seeing him come out of it and being more, and you know what? They're less judgmental of themselves Ooh. too. Yes. Yes. Right. Because they don't em- embrace, they don't um, feel that need, even that need to judge themselves and yes. get to think, oh, that was wrong. I shouldn't have done that or whatever. They just take it in as more information and use it the next time. Like maybe right. they'll never make that choice again, but they don't so much berate themselves. I mean, that, yes, that can be a personality piece, too. Yeah. But they don't, they don't see it happening all around them. Right. And right. again, it's a learned, it's a learned thing, right? I think so. That's so cool. So, yeah. Yeah. So what is your favorite thing about your unschooling days right now? Oh, the freedom. <laughs> I, I love the freedom. I love that we can just flow. And I love that we are all learning so much. Like we're all kind of into our things and learning from each other and from each other's interests. And I love who we all are and who we're becoming. It just feels good. You know, it feels good. We feel connected. I feel connected to, to my children and to my family. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And doesn't it, as you were talking about that, what, what bubbled up for me is this feeling that we don't need to, like when we're in the flow and if we're just sharing our interests. And even if we don't literally like our, we aren't literally fascinated by the thing, we can so much connect over the joy and fun that they're right. Having. Yeah. 
And it can, it's all about the moment. We no longer are really, you know, looking to the future. Oh, it needs to take us here. It needs to take us there. Where are they going to be, you know, five years from now? We can really just the freedom of the moment and being in the moment and that this is where all the good things are, right? Exactly. And all those little moments add up and all of a sudden it is five years later and it's a great place that you're in. Exactly. And it has been all along and it just kind of like keeps building. And yeah, I, darn it, my brain. (laughs) Well, and don't you find that if you think back to your, yourself five years ago, like, and what you might have thought where you'd have been, like, I find that where we flow and end up is just so much more interesting and fun than where I kind of thought we'd be. And that helps me build trust in the process too, right? Yes. That this just takes us fascinating places that fit <clears throat> us as people, as individuals, so much better than where yes. I thought maybe I should be guiding us, right? Right. I mean, it kind of lets off some of that pressure too. Mm-hmm. Of This is what I think should happen. You're, again more open to the experience (laughs) and where it kind of guides you. Like if you get to flow on the river, where might you end up, you know, but it's, it's usually a lot better and you're going to be a lot happier once you get there than if you were fighting this current and trying to go the other direction and end up, you know, exhausted and frustrated. Yes. That's at the end of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Good brain. Good brain. Good brain. Right. Because when they have that freedom and us too, right. We learn when we have that freedom to kind of follow our intuition, to like make just the next little, take that next little step that we think will work well for us and then see what happens. And then adjust. We have the freedom to just tweak and play and tweak and play rather than, so that's kind of the flow, right? Yes. That flow rather yes. than, like you said, fighting the current to like, rather than in our brain, taking something just really far down the road right. and already mapping our path and yes. then spending the time trying to stay on the same damn path, right? Exactly. When maybe that, that is not your path, maybe, you know, and another thing that I find is I have learned to be so much less judgmental of myself, right? Where I used to be one of those people that I was like, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to be working all the time, producing, Mm -hmm. producing, because we're in kind of a culture where like you, you must be productive in order to be valuable. Right. And, and so I have learned from them, like the downtime is just as productive. There might be a day where I just want to sit on the couch and watch like 10 of my shows in a row. I mean, that doesn't happen very often because I have a two-year-old. But even like two, right? Like, yep. and I, and I, maybe I'm not going to read and I am just going to watch TV and it's going to be kind of bad TV and that's okay. Like there is something productive in that, right? Like there's so much value in the rest and the recovery. Yes. And I have learned that from my kids mm-hmm, mm-hmm, because- and not feeling guilty about it. Yes. Feeling really good about it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because it is part of accepting that we just don't know. And again, learning from my kids, watching them is like, okay, they're doing these things or this thing, or they're like out on the swing for hours and hours and hours. Right. What are they (laughs) out of that? You know, why? Yet when you give them that space, when you look back, you can't see it. Sometimes you can't see it in the moment and you can't even expect them to explain. I was just listening to music, you know, I was enjoying music. But later on, like just in conversation, as things bubble up and they're talking about things, it's like, wow, you've thought about that. Yes. They weren't consciously, they were giving space for their subconscious, for their brain to just bubble away. Exactly. Interesting connections. You don't have to know in the moment. It doesn't have to look valuable or productive. Or, right. You know, I don't. And that's the thing. We, we can't always see learning happening. I remember reading that, mm-hmm. reading like, we don't always know. They could be lying on the sofa, you know, for seven hours watching a show. You can't see what's happening in their brain, what connections they're making. That's where like kind of the trust aspect comes in because mm-hmm. there is a lot of trust and faith inherent in unschooling, not just between each other, but just in the process. Yeah. Like, okay, everything's going to turn out. Okay. Cause you know, there's moments where like, Oh my God, have I done the right thing? What am I doing? Have I like, am I going to like cripple my children or something in society? And no, 
and then it's so that's that's again like that. Oh, okay, wash those thoughts out. No, yeah, focus on the child. See what they're doing. You can't always see it, but it reveals itself eventually, right? All those like connections and the learning, it comes out, and so it's it's a big trust in the process. And I think with these kids, it's like you know we hear a lot. The whole a big thing today, right, in our culture is what's our purpose? Everybody's mm-hmm. searching for their purpose. What am I doing? Why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? Like what's, and everybody's like, I feel kind of waiting for this answer. Self-included. Like I get caught in caught up in this stuff too. Right. Yeah. And it's like, you want this big answer to like come down on the tablet from the skies or something like Moses or yeah. my purpose is whatever. It, it doesn't really work that way. Right. And I feel like the kids don't really have that issue of trying to search for something because they're just living it every day. Like they realize their purpose is kind of their joy and following that path. I was just about to say on the river purpose, right. And, and, and that's the piece too, that they don't need to with that bigger picture of purpose like that. If you, if you hold on to that too tightly, like they're okay with mistakes. They're okay with tweaking things just because they've been doing it. Like that's why they're okay with it because they've been doing it for so many years. Exactly. And it's working. They don't know any different. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they've kind of like lived their whole life in flow. Of course, like you're always going to come up against obstacles and challenges and that's life. I mean, that is life, but it's the way you deal with them and how you see them as, as they can be, they're all positives, right? Like doesn't really have to be a negative thing. They can, there's always like something like some golden nugget in there something we can find. Yeah. Yeah. Even if that something is, you know, oh, now I understand why I thought I would like that. And now I know I don't think I'm going to ever exactly. be that again. Yes. <laughs> you know, exactly. that is a nugget of good information. That's learning more about themselves, right? Yes. Refining. Yeah. I mean, that's a big process, like refining ourselves and what we like and who we are. And it's such a problem. That's what I've just learned so much with, with unschooling as well. Like everything is a process. It's never just instantaneous. Like, okay, this is what you need to do. And here's where I need to go. And this is who you're going to be. That's what we want because we're kind of shown that that's maybe how that's like this artificial version of life that we're kind of shown Mm-hmm. But the real version is like, everything takes time. Picasso didn't wake up and have his paintings, you know, in the Louvre, right? Like he worked, he did it every day. He followed his own joy in creation. And eventually now we know him as Picasso, but along the way, right? Like he was just this guy doing his thing. And that's a lot of people. And so it's always a process. And I think like for me growing up, I always had this idea that, you know, Shakespeare was just born. Like that's who he was always going to be. And that's, he worked at it too. Mm -hmm. You know, he had to sit down and write every day. Luck, like some people are fortunate enough to just have this thing that they follow and it's joy and it's very clear to them. And that's what they do. But a lot of us kind of, we have to, we have to kind of look around because we're not taught that. But I, so I think one of the biggest things we are teaching our kids is, hey, look, just do what you love and keep doing that. And it can change and it'll morph and it'll evolve and it'll grow. But just keep on that trail, like following the breadcrumbs of your joy. And I think it will yield a beautiful life. I think so. I think so. I re- We see it. But and the other piece that comes bubbles up for me when we talk about that, I think what can confuse or can get in the way for people is 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 as they, their kids get older, they're looking at careers, they're looking at money, they're looking at income, you know, and absolutely, yet it doesn't have to be, it also doesn't have to be that their joy has to be a career. Right. And it doesn't have to stay a career. Like this whole thing, you know, you commit to a career and then you stay with that. That's it. Yeah. For 40 years. Exactly. You know, <laughs> oh, we can. Just sounds rough. Our joy can still, <laughs> you know, uh, hobbies, waiting tables for, for the summer because this is fitting well. And this is, yeah. We want some cash. And, the, you know, there's 
nothing that gets in the way of that. You know, it doesn't have to be, okay, find your passion, find your joy. That's not what I mean when I talk about using joy as a compass. Joy is a compass as today in this, yes. in this moment. You know, right. it can lead all sorts of places. It's not exactly. about have to and it might bring in your income you never know yeah, you know exactly. that that could be right like yeah it's just but being it, open and I think in this world we live in there are when people worry about what are my kids going to do when they get older like there are infinite possibilities especially to make money now I mean there's just so many more opportunities there's so I was just talking about it with a friend today how there are so many careers and jobs and things that existed that I never knew about as a kid like had no idea that these things were around. And I think now there is such a broader perspective on all of that. And the kids know. And if you don't make it a worry, like it won't be a worry. They'll find their way. Look, my 17-year-old is busting tables. He loves it. I picked him up from work one day. He's like cleaning the windows, putting so much effort into it. I was like, who is this child? You know, (laughs) because at home, kind of a different story. But I could tell he loved it. He loved it. He was cleaning it. He wanted to be of service to the restaurant. And that's what we told him when he went into work. We just said, hey, just be of service. Like you're there to serve the customers, to serve the restaurant, to just be helpful and do that. And he felt so good about himself when he came home. I mean, he was brimming with joy. Right. And that that is that is it. Like literally that's it. Because... When things just bubble into their lives and, and it's not sitting back either. It's, it's being open and curious again, right? Right. Exactly. Trying new things. And it's like, Oh, I want to try that. I want to try that. Yes. And just showing up to the experience. And because they're choosing the experience, they're putting all that they want to into it. Right. Right. Exactly. and then they see what they get and, and they make choices and tweak from there. But when they're choosing, they, I feel like they learn the most when they're trying out the things that they're choosing. Yes. They're right. Choosing, exactly. Trying out because yes, that's totally. where they want to be in that moment. So that's where they're going to gain the most from the experience. Right. Yes. yes. Agreed. <laughs> and she, like Agreed on all of it. And, you know, like I said, I have a 12-year-old who wants to be a paleontologist and he's talking about school. That could change, right? Once he goes, who knows? It, it, nothing is set in stone. I mean, no pun intended with the paleontology. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see. You know, we'll see. And and if that's his joy and, and I, he like, it's interesting because my daughter was even talking about going to high school and she's like, I would just be there to learn. Like, I would just really just be interested in the learning. Not the social, like that's, you know, learning new things or seeing new things. Not that she's not learning here at home, but just the way that that's how she thought of it. Not like, oh, I want to go and like make a ton of friends and do this or that or whatever. I don't know. It's just interesting the way she said it. And she's thinking it like, I don't know if she will or not, but she but might and she might stop. And yeah, it's beautiful to see. Gotten to the point where it's just another choice. Exactly. It's just buffet. another choice. And, and it's not a choice that has any long-term commitment, you know? Right. And that's what I love is like, you can make a choice and you can see this isn't the right choice for me. I'm going to quit. And that's not this terrible thing that, you know, you should be um, punished for because that's in a lot of things like you're going to finish this. You've chosen it. You're going to see it through to the end. Well, that doesn't help anyone really. And that certainly doesn't help you learn how to live a joyful life. I don't think that's a forced life, right? That's paddling upstream. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah, I see quitting as, as a step forward. Yes. You learned more about yourself. You've just exactly. Like, this, isn't, this isn't a good fit for me. I'm going to yes. try something else now, you know, yep. that's all good. All good. Okay. Oh my gosh. Megan, I can talk to you forever and ever. <laughs> I know it's really good. Yes, it's been wonderful. It's been so much fun. And thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Thank you for having me. Yay. And before we this go, was really fun. it was so much fun. Where can people connect with you online? I am kind of offline <laughs> of everything right now. People can email me. Okay. 
So I'll give you my email and you can put it in the notes. Yeah. Um, You can email me. I do write a blog regularly on my real estate website, which is sometimes about real estate, but not often. I actually just write about anything I'm thinking about. So there's a lot of unschooling little things thrown in there. Um, But otherwise people can email me. Oh, that's awesome. I'm kind of taking a break. It was supposed to be a one month break. It's turned into like a year and a half now and kind of liking it. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. Right. Yes. Exactly. What works for us in the exactly. moment. Exactly. And, and there's no expectation. Also, they could follow my husband on Instagram. He's a big poster and he loves it. <laughs> so I, and they'll awesome. see pictures of me every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much, Megan, and have a wonderful day. Thank you, Pam. Bye. Bye. I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey. And be sure to check out the growing podcast archive. The conversations never go out of date. You can find more information about my books, the Living Joyfully Network online community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit online course at my website, livingjoyfully.ca.